Welcome to Session 8, Keys to Hearing the Voice of God. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. Just want to do a brief recap before we even get into that. We started off with dwelling in his presence, with learning how to cultivate the presence of the Lord in our life, pursuing intimacy. Uh, we built from John 10, 24 to 28, and we emphasized the blessing of the Lord, the protection of the Lord, and the preservation of the Lord, where Jesus said that, you are my sheep, and, and, and they hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, praise God, and the benefit that comes from that. And we begin to really just discuss the life of Samuel in the first chapter of Samuel uh, to really understand uh, how to cultivate the presence of the Lord. We saw that he was consecrated and set apart, and, and that even though it was ordained to him to be a prophet, and even though he was serving the Lord, he didn't know the Lord, I praise God, as he, as he should have known him. And But we saw that God had placed Eli in his life that will train and, and, and equip him, being able to hear the voice of God clearly and to properly understand what God was communicating. We also learned from the first chapter of Samuel that God is not expecting absolute perfection out of us as we develop the art of hearing his voice, praise God. We saw that Samuel missed it two times. It was the third time that he eventually got it and that God did not rebuke him or deal harshly with him. Then we went on to the word of knowledge, and we realized that that was supernatural revelation uh, from the heart of God. It gives us uh, insight, supernatural insight about a person, place, thing, an event, dealing with the present or past. And we went back and really just looked at the words of knowledge from Scripture. And, of course, the homework assignment was to find your own. Then we moved on to focusing on the purposes of God, uh, which was very important, praise God. Um, because we, we begin to establish that when we focus on the purposes of God, God is more inclined to speak to us when we learn to care about what he cares about. Then we bounce back to the word of wisdom, praise God, which was divine and supernatural revelation of the plan, purpose, of the will of the Lord, which was always future tense, praise God. And we begin to go through the scriptures and look at the different words of wisdom. Agabus the prophet in the book of Acts who stood up and prophesied the drought, Praise God. And, and about what the Lord told uh, Nathaniel, that he will see heaven opens and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Then we bounce back to the outline about asking God continually. And we begin to uh, just look at the word and, uh, of ask and really just get the definition. And we understood that it meant to require. And, and we begin to look at the acronym of ask, seek, knock, you know, spelling ask. And importance of persistence or shamefacedness or, or shamelessness, praise God, and or impudence, which is being able to approach God without any uh, regrets and with audacity, with boldness, and with courage, praise God. And so here we are again in grow in the love of God toward others. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Grow in the love of God toward others. This is probably the most important point of everything. That's why I encourage you to grab something, praise God, to take notes with, because this is going to be uh, primarily the heart of the matter. So we're still dealing with keys or uh, instruments of power that can put us on the edge or that can give us the edge when it comes to hearing God's voice clearly. How do we attract the communication of heaven? How do we attract God's voice? How do we position ourselves for God to speak to us. Praise God. And that's what these keys are all about, okay? Grow in love towards others. Love is not selfish. We look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, and it says, the spiritual gifts are given so that we can, keyword right here, effectively minister 
God's grace to others. Amen. Say that with me, effectively. 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 That's right. Praise God. And so to effect is to have influence on something. Praise God. So when we talk about being an effective minister, we're talking about being in a position to influence somebody in the way that God wants them to be influenced. Praise God. Now, don't let this word minister um, get you twisted up, praise God, because we're not talking about a preacher, teacher, or an apostle, or a prophet or evangelist per se, or somebody that's behind a pulpit. The truth of the matter is, is that everyone in the body of Christ is a minister of something. The word minister means to serve. And so when we get born again and we get saved, God has all called us all to a ministry. Or another way of saying is that we were all birthed from the womb of God's spirit with the intent and purpose to serve. Nobody gets the privilege of being born again without a ministry. It's impossible. Being a part of his body requires servitude. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And so the key to a certain degree is just growing on with the Lord and discovering what that ministry is or what your purpose is. Praise God. And so the spiritual gifts are given so that we can effectively serve God's grace to others. And listen, when I say this word, sir, I want you to think about a restaurant and a waiter. Okay? Now, when, when somebody comes up to the table, when you're at your favorite restaurant, what does she normally ask you? How may I help you? Okay? And so their position and posture or their identity at that particular time is all about servitude. Okay? How may I help you? Praise God. And listen, y'all, please hear this by the Spirit of God. When it comes to hearing the voice of God and when it comes to heaven speaking to us, position ourselves in this life and we look at those that are broken, hurting, and lost around us and we take the position of heart, mind, and spirit, how may I help you? Then we get God's attention because what we're doing we're identifying ourselves as his servant or as his minister. Does he love them? More than any of us understand. That's what John 3.16 is all about. For God so loved the world, which includes the murderer, which includes the rapist, which includes the child molester, which includes the abortions, which includes the occultist, which includes the drug addict. For God so loved the world, not the righteous, but the world who's lying in wickedness, that he gave us only begotten son so that they that believe in him may not perish but have everlasting life. And so when we position ourselves, Brother David, for servitude, and, and here's the thing, you know, God knows our heart and our mind, and it's not all the time an easy thing to let go of your will and our will and what we want and begin to receive or embrace what God wants for my life. And listen, and feel good about it. Amen? Amen. Servitude is about giving. It is about producing. It is about giving and not consumption. Consumption or to consume has its root in selfishness. It had its root in the fall of man, which came through Adam's sin and Adam's transgression. When, when sin entered the world, 
man became selfish. The minute in the garden, listen, that Adam sinned and they turned around and looked at themselves, they became, man became selfish. That's why the Lord asked them, who told you that you were naked? Because before your eyes were up on me, they weren't even on you. Okay. When we begin to look at ourselves, we begin to see things, praise God, that, that we would not see apart from selfishness. Okay? In other words, when we look at ourselves, it opens us up into an entire new realm of vision that God is not in. But when we focus back on the Lord, we realize that God placed us in the earth for his glory and not our own. And we begin to focus on the Lord and his goodness. And we begin to relinquish our will for his will. Because it's a difference between doing something because you have to do it and doing something because you want to do it. Amen? Amen. And see, if we do it, because we have to do it, then God is looking at our heart, and, and he's like, okay, now you're doing it, but you don't really want to do it. Okay, you're ministering, but you really don't care about the person. And so what God wants, he wants us to begin to deal with whatever's on the inside of us, that war, that struggle between what we want and he wants. And he wants us to take that thing and to go up on Mount Moriah and place it up on the altar, just like Abraham placed his only begotten son Isaac, and lift a knife up to it and forsake it. Because it's only then when we face the cross and when we meet the cross that the position and the posture of a minister taken in heart and mind and be acceptable to the Lord. Praise God. See, this is what the Lord says in the book of 1 Corinthians. He tells us to sow or to give not grudgingly or of necessity, but he tells us to give willingly. Okay. According as every man has purpose in his heart, so let him give. So follow me here. Servitude is giving. But servitude that is acceptable to God is giving from the heart. Whatever we serve, whether it be uh, uh, prayers, whatever, whether it be food, whether it be ministry, whatever God has placed in us to give people, our posture is to get to the point within us to where, listen, we are excited about giving people what God has given us from our heart, out of the motive of love. So, somebody ever gave you something, gave you something, but, you know, when they gave it to you, you can tell that their attitude was kind of jacked up. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and, and they did it just because, you know, it, you know, I mean, you received it, but you really didn't appreciate it. Because the spirit that was communicated through that attitude, praise God, was communicated in the giving. Well, guess who else wouldn't, wouldn't please with it? The Father's not. Okay? It's better to not even give if it doesn't come from the heart. Praise God. 
And so when we look at this, when we look at being a minister, we're talking about taking the posture of, of being a waiter and, and pulling up to the table, pull, pulling up to the world with joy in our eyes and excitement in our voice. You ever left a restaurant, you say, man, I, I like that waiter like that. She, he or she was a blessing. Well, they did their job, and they just, you can tell that they genuinely cared about serving you and making you happy. They were just trying to get the tip, but they were trying to be a blessing, genuine. Okay? And listen, when it comes to impacting this world and being an effective minister, we're not just trying to get a tip from heaven, okay? But we're, we're trying to genuinely help people because we love them. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Yes, amen. So it says the spiritual gifts are given so that we can effectively minister. Now, spiritual gifts, you'll find them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, okay? But as, as I stated before, okay, a gift in a certain, certain perspective is optional. It's a present. But this particular word, gift, should have been translated as utensil or tool. That's the definition of this actual word gift. It's not a present like you receive on your birthday or for Valentine's Day or for Christmas. It is actually a utensil or tool. Okay? And so we can say that the spiritual tools or the spiritual utensils that God has given us are given us so that we can effectively minister God's grace to us. Now listen, if a person can't administer something effectively, that means that they can also minister wrong. You ever had somebody tell you the right thing in the wrong spirit? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you may hear. You ever said somebody, I, what you said is true in your mind. You probably said, what you said is true, but I just didn't like your attitude. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Amen. In other words, they were trying to give you something, but it was not, you know, what the commodity was actually distorted because of the spirit that it was presented in. And so when it comes to ministering, everything that God has given us is to be issued and is to be distributed in love. Everything. So before we begin to release and minister and give, the wisest thing to do is to do a heart check. Where is my heart? What position is my heart in? Even though I may have the knowledge of what to do, am I in a position in heart to minister? Okay. Now, wisdom is because even though I may know what to do, my heart is not positioned in love. You know, because of something that happened earlier that day or, or something that's going on for whatever reason, okay, then the wisest thing is to, is to withhold the ministry until I get my heart in line and attitude back in line. Amen? Amen. Let's think about a waiter at a restaurant, okay? Well, she may not be married. She may have three kids at home. She may be on the verge of her lights being turned off. Okay. She may have had to catch a, a, a bus to work and stand out in the cold for 30 minutes before the bus actually showed up just to get there. And guess what happened when she was standing outside? It started raining. Okay. When she gets into the workplace, 
Despite of everything that she's went through throughout the day, at that moment, her position is still to serve, to be a minister. Okay? So what she does is that she doesn't allow attitude of her. She don't, she don't allow what happened during the previous day to affect her ministry. She don't bring the, the mishaps, okay, from hours ago over into this position of servitude. When she presents herself before the table, despite of everything that's went on, she manages to rise above it and to say, may I help you from a genuine heart and a genuine attitude. Somebody say a servant. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Whereby we know that some allow things to affect them and affect those. But in this class, what the Lord is saying, listen, as we grow in love toward others, the key word is grow, which means that this is a process. As we grow in love toward others, we will be more apt to be able to remain consistent and in the right spirit when it comes to ministering, and we will begin to grow out of carrying things praise God, or presenting things in an ineffective manner, praise God, so that we can effectively minister God's grace. Okay, I'm going to say that again, God's grace, God's grace, so that we can effectively minister God's grace. Our calling is not to administer God's wrath, it's not to administer God's anger, it's not to administer God's judgment, it's not to admit, it's not to uh, uh, fix everybody and to 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 the ministry of exposure of every sin. It's not to chasing false prophet ministry. He hadn't called us to the he called the new covenant the Bible the ministry of grace. Okay, can anybody tell me what grace is in your own words? It's um, favor that you don't deserve. That's right. That's right. Praise God. So listen, an effective minister, and we're still dealing with keys to hearing God's voice, they don't approach people, and after they critique people, and after after they size them up, they don't allow their outward perception of people to determine the quality of servitude that they give them. Let's make it practical. Here we are in the restaurant again. The waiter is at the table. She's been through all that, Okay. Well, she's got three or four tables to serve and to wait. Oh, at, at one table, okay, she's got uh, somebody from corporate America. He's over there. He's got his suit on. He's got his Bluetooth on. You can tell he's not smiling. He's confident. You know, he's clean. You can tell that he's very, very introvert, okay? And so you can look, look at him and tell that, hey, this is the person that warrants respect. And so at the table next to him, you got a person with holes in their jeans, you know, and you kind of smell them, you know, but and they hadn't been able to shower in a few days, and the beard is a little overgrown, and there's a couple of teeth missing. And guess what? His grandma's not all that good, but somehow somebody blessed him. I don't know if it was for his birthday or whatever. He managed to get a gift card to Texas Roll House. Mm-hmm. And so he's sitting at the table next to him. Well, what the minister can't do or what the waiter can't do, she can't go to the man in corporate America, and, and, and hey, may I help you, and present joy and present glee and, 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 and love and, and just be more than willing, and then go over to the next table and be cold and dry. See where we're going with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Praise God. 
She can't, she can't do that. She may be ministering for lay men y'all, but as ministers of the kingdom, we are serving the grace of God to people. And as our sister just said, grace of God is giving people what they don't deserve. And so when they sit down before us at our table, nobody deserves it, regardless of what they look like. But everybody can receive it because he died for everyone. So in Christ, what we have to learn to do is to our ministry realize that everyone is worthy of your time. Everyone is worthy of your best. Everyone is worthy of your smile. Everyone is worthy of your love. Everyone deserves your all. Amen? Praise God. God wants us to be able to effectively minister God's grace, God's unmerited favor, God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves, or goodness and favor that we didn't work for and that we didn't earn. It's what God gives freely through his son, Jesus Christ. So you all are ministers of grace. Praise God. And we want to minister the grace of God effectively. We don't want to bounce from table to table. Praise God, changing as we go from table to table. But whoever presents themselves before us, we want to see them through the eyes of Christ. We want to, when we look at them, we want to see past the perfume and, and past the, 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 the suit, past the attires and past the cars and, 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 and past the grooming of the face and past the hair and past the clothes. And, and what you want to see is the image of God on the inside of you. Okay. Because at the end of the day, we're all created in his likeness and in his image. Praise God. And that's how we have to view people. And because they are created in his likeness and in his image, they deserve our best. This is hidden to the, you know, they deserve our best, y'all. Now, listen, this is not popular, but it's kingdom. Okay? Which means that this is what God is looking at. When he's saying, okay, do I want to increase Corey? Or do I want to promote Corey? Okay? Do I want to, call, do I want to entrust Corey with more? Okay? Well, God is looking down at Corey's heart, and he's trying to see, is Corey showing the love of Christ to protect the person? Is Corey using partiality? Is Corey one way with a certain group? Okay? But then when it comes time to minister to these people over here, he's not really giving his all. He's not really giving his best. Okay. When I died for the entire world. So God is looking at Alephal. Does he position himself as a genuine minister consistently? And Listen, and if we can position ourselves consistently and if we can see people through the lenses of God's love, then we can always remain in a position, listen, where God will track you down to speak to you. God will come find you to communicate with you. Because it's so few people that are in this earth, that are in this generation, who truly care about people with no strings attached. When it comes to love, the enemy has done a great job of distorting the kingdom and the purpose of men. And he's put the emphasis on, 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 listen, on the attention, on the focus, on the person. 
praise God, on the people with their gifts and with their positions and with their money and with, with this and with that, when, when the truth of the matter is that the real focus is upon the hurting and the broken. And it's very, there's a very limited addition of believers. Praise God. But listen, there are many that start out pure. But then when placed in positions, and then when increase in promotion comes, things become corrupted. The ministry gets tainted. There are many that start in love but don't end in love. Okay. Just like Eli. Eli started out doing the right thing. But then at some point he got sidetracked and, and he got off and, and it got to the point to where his heart got so hard that he just didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And he refused to discipline his sons. Okay? He knew the right way. He started out right because he was the priest. Okay? But, but somewhere down the line, praise God, something got the best of him and, and he lost his way. And so with you all, this is what I'm saying, praise God. The reason that God is going to speak to you and the reason, listen, that God wants to speak to you and the reason that you reward the ability to receive and to hear from heaven is because you're positioning your heart in love as minister. And it may seem small. And it may not, like, it may not seem like it's that much, but it's everything. It's the key to life. It's the key to the kingdom. It's the key to revelation. It's the key to provision. It's the key to resources. It's the key to everything you've been crying and praying about. Praise God. It all has its origin in love. Praise God. Well, let's move on. Lord, help. True discernment is a byproduct of godly love. Say that with me. True discernment discernment is a byproduct byproduct of godly love. Of godly love. Praise God. Now, what does the word godly mean? It means God-like. And so the reason that we bring this distinction is because true discernment is rooted in godly love. There's more than one type of love that exists. You have Phileo, you have Storge, you have Eros, you have, and then you have Agape love, which is the God kind of love. Okay? Well, our problem is, is that oftentimes we try to understand and discern love by our experience, which sometimes is good, most of the times is bad. You know? And, and so we can't filter when he said grow in God's love, what comes to mind? What, what arises? What definition or what example uh, uh, pops up before you? Does anything pop up at all? Does the mind say, what does that mean? Or do you get glimpses and images of what that's supposed to be like? And then I will ask you, okay, based upon that image, based upon that glimpse, is it consistent with the love of God as recorded in Scripture? In other words, does what you see line up to what is written? Is your example or your, your, your perception of love, is it running concurrent with God's definition of it in 1 Corinthians 13? Is it the same love? And this is how you measure yours. This is how you filter it. This is how you examine it. This is how you purify what's in you because you line it up to the characteristics found in Scripture Praise God. And if they are compatible, you keep it. 
Praise God. And listen, if they are tainted, you just go ahead and purge it. Run it through the drain. Okay? But if they are entirely different, you reject it, and you stick with God's word, and you grow in the love of God as recorded in Scripture, and you challenge yourself to come out of yourself to grow more in compassion, to grow more in self, selflessness, to grow more, praise God, in mercy, to grow more in being a minister and adopting the form of a servant. Well, a scripture just came to mind, the Holy Spirit brought up, adopting upon yourself the form of a servant. Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says this around the fourth verse. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he humbled himself, and check this out, and took up on himself the form of a servant. Praise God. When we position ourselves as servants, what we're saying is, Abba, Father, I'm here to love. I'm willing to love, and I make myself available. Praise God. When Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant, he wasn't just doing it for Sunday. He didn't just do it for the day of Pentecost. He didn't just do it on a feast day. But when he took upon himself the form of a servant, it was his mission in the earth. In other words, his entire existence on this realm, this side of eternity, was the form of a servant. Amen? Y'all follow me? Amen. See, oftentimes we can shift in and out of servitude based upon demand. In other words, I'm a servant for three, four hours a day. But then after about that fourth or fifth hour, I didn't have enough. Now it's time to do me, me. Suddenly <laughs> 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 come back around, you know what I'm saying? Here I am again. You know, I'm the good and faithful servant. You know, Monday come around, you know, time to do me. Okay, But Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant, y'all, listen, as a lifestyle. He was a servant in heart. And we're born of him, and we're called to follow in his steps. Part of the reason that a lot of people don't hear the voice of God is because they want God to talk to them about them, and God wants to talk to them about others. Mm-mm. <laughs> Praise God. And and listen, and that's not saying that God will not ever speak to you, and he will. And he will share things with you. But when God sees that we love us more than we love people, he will withhold his voice. God is saying, listen, I don't mind speaking. Praise God, but the priority has to be right. I'm not going to be consumed with what you want until you fall in love with who I am and what I desire. And so when we give God attention, he gives us attention. When we draw near to him, he draws near to us. When we value what's important to him, without even asking, he begins to deal with things that are dear to us. 
called growing in love. Praise God. True discernment is a byproduct of godly love. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Well, we'll start at verse number 8. This is the prayer, praise God, one of the prayers of Apostle Paul. Key word, as you're turning, is grow. Process. Process. That's right. Grow. True discernment is a byproduct of godly love. All right? Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, verse 8. He says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Somebody read verse 8 again, Philippians chapter 1, verse 8. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks. Now, the reason that God pulled me back here is because he wanted to highlight what position do you see Paul in? What, when you read that verse, what, what does it bring to mind? How is he feeling? Uh, he, he longs to be in the, an extension of God's love. Exactly. That is perfect. That's right. Paul is, is miles away writing these people. And look at his heart, y'all. He says, how greatly I long after you. That's love. After you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Listen, y'all, this thing that we call the Bible, you know, what, you know where it came from? It came from a person who had positioned himself in this world to serve. Because Paul wrote Philippians from in prison, from out of a dungeon. He wrote this letter to the Philippian church. in bonds and in stocks. This is where he was, in a place of great darkness. And here he was, physically suffering, in love with God's people, in love. And even though he was in there, he wasn't, he, in the letter, you don't hear him saying, woe is me, and, and, or emphasizing what he's going through. No, he was in his position of servitude even though he was physically hurt and being attacked and oppressed, he could not and it did not stop the love of God from expressing itself through him. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so in prison, he said, I long after you all. Now, any natural person apart from Christ would be concerned about themselves at this point. But here Paul is positioning himself in that dark dungeon to hear God's voice. In other words, he was conscious that there was a whole congregation of people in Philippi, a lot of babes in life who needed guidance. They needed help. They needed nurture. They needed insight. And so here he was hundreds of miles away in a dungeon thinking about them. And not only was he thinking about them, he didn't just send a prayer for them, but his heart was going out to them. His heart was crying out. He wanted to help them. He wanted to protect them. He wanted to bless them. He didn't want the enemy to get the advantage of them. He wanted to do something that made a difference in their life. And guess what he did? He began to call the scribe. 
and he began to dictate this letter. This is actually the one that he wrote, and he began to write. He began to position himself to hear God's voice because the love of God was just welling in his heart, and he wanted to help, and he wanted to serve. He realized he still had grace to give, and he began to write. And because he had love in his heart, and because he positioned himself in that dark dungeon as a minister, and be, listen, and because he was willing to lay down his life and to love others, you and I are able to benefit from that. Amen? Amen. Amen. How greatly, how long after you all, listen, y'all, it says in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, I'm not going to get too explicit right here. Okay, but in the Bible, the Bible, the Bible speaks to, especially in the New Testament, it speaks of two different bowels when it comes to Christians. The Bible speaks of bowels of mercy and also bowels of compassion. Okay, so this is a deep place from within a person that compassion and love begins to flow from. It's a place where you can experience a turning or a sense of inner pain. So there was a churning of love, a churning of compassion. There was a churning because he was partaking of the bowels of Jesus Christ. When he was saying, listen, this is not something that's coming from my head. This thing is churning in me. I've got to serve. Amen? Amen. And he said, and this I pray. This is what he prayed. He said, and this I'll pray, that your love may abound, growing in love. So can it, someone just, when you hear the word abound, give me a picture in your own words. What, what, what comes to mind when you think about abound? Overflowing. Yeah, praise God. Great word. Praise God. That's awesome. That your love may overflow. Listen, and please hear this because this is, in other words, that your love, whatever previous restrictions have been set for, that it exceeds them. Okay? Because when you talk about a bound, you're talking about exceeding current restrictions. Praise God. And so God is saying, listen, I don't want you to, to get comfortable in your love walk where you are. I don't want you to get settled where you're at. I don't want you to just look at the church and look at the pastors and look at the leaders and say, well, they just doing that, so I guess I'm straight. God said, no, I want your love to abound. I want your love to continue to grow, and I want the love that I placed in you to exceed present restrictions. What restrictions have we set in our own life and our own mind? Some people's restrictions are with other races. Some people, they're able to love people of their own race, but they're not able to embrace with the same quality of love somebody of a different race. God says, listen, it's time for the love of God on the inside of you to exceed those restrictions. Praise God. We've set restrictions on how far we're willing to go, how long we're willing to do it, and to what extent we're willing to try. And the Lord said, listen, it's time to abide. It is time to abide. 
in other words, he's saying, listen, don't you give up until I give up. If I don't give up, you don't give up. If I don't stop, you don't stop. Jesus said it like this. He said, the Father worketh hitherto, so I work. That your love may abound, yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Okay. Now, let me explain this right here. The way that our love abounds more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, by the way, this word judgment is also translated as discernment. Okay. So this is not talking about calling wrath to fire down from heaven. To judge means to discern, to examine, to test, or to try. It's the nature of judgment, to prove. <clears throat> okay? So when he says that, he prays that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. The way that we grow in love, we have to primarily refocus our mind off of our shortcomings, Offer our sins, praise God. Offer people. Offer what you did wrong. And offer what you're not doing. And offer what you need to do. And you got to take the focus off all of that and put the focus on the Father. You got to put the focus on Jesus. You got to put the focus on Calvary. You got to put the focus on the cross because it's there that you will begin to see clearly what love truly is. And just because we know that he came, he died, and he rose, doesn't mean that we've got the revelation. Doesn't mean that we know his love. And that's what this verse is talking about. It's talking about growing in knowledge. Okay? In other words, revelation not. As you begin to focus on God, John 3.16, what does that mean, God so loved the world? But there's so much more that goes with that. And as you begin to focus on how much God loves the world, you can help but with that also understand how much God loves you personally because you're a part of the world. And as you begin to behold each and every day to a greater degree, and the, the Holy Spirit begins to remove the layers, the veils that have been blocking and hiding and, and sheltering the love of God from you and keeping you from knowing. And as he truly is and as it truly is, as he begins to remove that, then that love begins to impact and change you. You begin to see clearly. You don't just be hear about the cross. You begin to experience. And as you're reading the scriptures, you find yourself, uh, uh, scriptures that you read before you went past, all of a sudden you're looking at them now, it's almost like they're alive. You're going back through the Gospels, and, 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 and you're there where Peter began to betray the Lord, and, and you see him on the cross, and, and you see Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John there, and you see him looking down and saying, woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. And all of a sudden, many times you have read that, but now it comes alive, and you feel yourself begin to weep. And as you're doing that, what you're doing, you're taking your eyes off everything, and you're putting them where God wants, and you're beholding the love. And as you begin to focus on that, you grow in knowledge. You grow in revelation knowledge. You grow in understanding. And as you begin to grow in understanding, it all points to one thing, love. 
and your discernment begins to increase. Your discernment begins to sharpen. You begin to see clearly things as they truly are. Because any discernment, any perception that's not rooted in God's love is a false discernment, and it's a false perception. Peter said, let true light now shine. The true light is God's agape love. When the heart is in a position and the heart is anchored in God's love, and we're yielding and submitting to that love from the inside, we can see clearly. Anytime the heart is out of position, praise God, of God's love, you don't want to make any decision, any conclusion, praise God, or, or, or come to any agreement or, or any, any, any thought about something. You can't trust it at that point because the, the, you're not seeing clearly. Your discernment, we can see, but it's not accurate. And so you want to have the wisdom to just park it right there and, and hey, I, if I got to get back to you, I'll get back to you. Or if you got to keep your mouth closed, keep it closed. Or whatever you got to do to be able to pull back and get your heart back in position of love. And the quickest way to do that is focusing your attention on the Father and on John 3, 6, and on how much he loved you and on the Father and on the greatest gift, that, on the greatest expression of love that was ever given, the giving of his son. And we begin to grow in knowledge and in all judgment. This is what he said, that we may approve those things that I ask. Discernment is a product of godly love. It, if you see a person that most of, a lot of what is called discernment today is, is having a hunch, okay? And sometimes the hunches can be rooted in suspicion. And the suspicion is oftentimes rooted in offense. Okay. So whenever offense, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness is there, okay, then whatever we are perceiving from that root on is off. You'll see it, and it will appear real, but it's not being revealed through the true light, being revealed through the deceptive light of demonic forces. That's why Jesus said it like this. He said, if a person's eye can remain single, if, if the heart can remain, he said, then the whole body will be full of life. But if the eye that is in a person be evil, okay, then he said, and it be divided, that the whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light that is in a person be darkness, he asked the question, how great is that darkness? This is why there's so many attacks against the mind. Because he's after the because it is in your heart that the love of God resides. Romans chapter five verse five says that that love, the love of God, is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. So His love is there. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter twenty-four. He said that in the end times, He said because iniquity shall abound, that the love of many shall do what? Grow cold. Grow cold. That's right. Wax cold. Okay? And if you look up that word wax, it means a gradual progression of degradation, or it, it, before you know it, it's gone. You can't even pinpoint when it left. A very subtle decline. Why did he say because iniquity shall abound? That because iniquity abounds, people's hearts will become offended. And once they allow offense to harbor on the inside, offense Stuffles out and it snuffles out God's love. Amen? Amen. 
And so we have to keep ourselves free from offense. Say that with me, free from offense. Free from offense. Okay. That's right. And see, when we understand that we have to keep ourselves free from offense, see, the, the devil tells us that whoever did it, that they don't have a right to do it. And, and you need to hold it against them because this is how you get them back. And, 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 and he makes us, and he tells you you're justified because of that pain that you feel, because of the transgression and what they do. But what he doesn't tell you is that the attack is not against them, it's against you. Because as long as you hold that on the inside, then what it does, it shuts the love of God off. And he has rendered us ineffective as ministers or as servants. Not only that, he has stopped our faith from working because Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 tells us that our faith works by love. So that means that everything that I believe in God for and I have begun to trust him for, all of that is all of a sudden put on hold because I have allowed offense and bitterness to harbor in my heart. And that is why we cannot afford to not grow in God's love. This is why we have to allow love to abound in us. Because it is a direct satanic assault against our heart. Because your heart in Mark chapter 4 is likened to the ground. And the Bible says that the ground brings forth fruit. Okay? In other words, it is your heart that produces the life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is the abundance of, it, it is the heart that produces the life. Just like the ground gives life to the seed, a natural seed, your heart gives life to the word of God when it is sown therein. So if you can stop the ground or make the ground inactive, then you can stop the seed and the fruit from coming forth, fallow ground. And the Lord is saying, listen, the only ground that he has allowed in our heart to be conducive for producing fruit from the ground is love. Praise God. It is a position and a condition of heart that cannot be compromised or relinquished for any reason whatsoever. And if we can, listen, sink our faith down and our feet down and root ourselves to maintain that position through the tears, through the hurt, through the disappointment, through whatever season, if we can maintain the position of love, you will always come out on top. And you will find that not only is God attracted to you and the manifest presence of God attracted to you, but the angels of God in the entire kingdom, the power of God, the anointing of God, the grace of God, the voice of God, the visions, everything will just begin to gravitate your way because God is love. Praise God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Faith works by love, Galatians 5, 6. As we grow in our love for others, we are positioning ourselves to receive prophetic revelation from the Lord. Love is a growth process. Praise God. What God looks at, he doesn't look at where we're not. He looks at where we are. Okay? And how we are, you can say, how we are faring with what we are. And so when it comes to this degree of love, God is saying, listen, I'm content just as long as you grow. 
just as long as you don't suffer, just as long as you are determining your head to allow love to abound. And each and every day when we put up and we take the position, listen, of a servant, love is like a muscle. You build mass by exercising it. And, and listen, and when it comes to building muscle, even in the gym, resistance is necessary. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to growing in love, resistance or adverse circumstances, or situations that you don't like and you, you, you would rather not deal with, they are necessary. God has to put you in positions and put you around things where your love is challenged and where you are uncomfortable and then deal with your heart and tell you now love in order for your muscle of love to grow and to abound. Nothing grows without resistance. So don't despise the resistance. See it as an opportunity to advance the kingdom, to come closer, to go higher, to mature. Don't frustrate yourself. Look deep within because I tell you what, even though it may seem like you can't do it, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. And as you yield to his presence and, 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 and duck behind the cross and, and take your position as being crucified with Christ, you'll find out that the grace of God in you is more than able, that the Christ is in you is more than able, that the love of God in you is more than able to accomplish what's set before you and more. Part of the love walk is discovering your true potential, but you'll never discover who you are and walk in your maximum capacity or full fruitfulness until you are sold out and begin to love. Because love unlocks the you, praise God, and you unlock the destinies of the people around. Grow in love toward others. Somebody say grow in love toward others. Grow in love towards others. Praise God, yes. Thank you, thank you. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. This will be our last little uh, area. Growing in love towards others, praise God. Ephesians 3, 14. Now, this is a prayer worth uh, praying. I, I prayed this prayer. I, I turned it into a confession in my own personal life for years. But it's a great prayer to get your heart and your mouth and allow it to memorize and begin to speak over yourself every morning and to confess over yourself before you go to sleep. And the prayer is based upon what's really important, which is developing in God's love. There's not much that we can do apart from God's grace. And so it's God's grace that makes the difference. It's him that works in us the will and the do. But we do have our part to pray. Praise God. So uh, would someone read, if you don't mind, Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, 
Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we speak or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So we're here, and we see the Apostle Paul again with another church, bowing his knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ whom the whole family of God in heaven and earth is made, that his prayer was that God would strengthen us with might in our inner man. Now, this word might is translated as capacity. In other words, your inner man is what the Bible calls your human spirit. Not the Holy Spirit, but your human spirit, lowercase S-P-R-I-T. So we all have a human spirit. That is called our inner man. That's called the hidden man of the heart. That's called our spirit man. Praise God. So Paul prayed by divine revelation, obviously, that God will increase the capacity of our human spirit because your human spirit is like a container. It's like a cup. And so what he's basically saying, Lord, Lord, turn their human spirit, take it from a 12-ounce cup to a 36-ounce. Okay? I want you to increase the capacity. Okay? Now, let me ask you something right here. If, if I pour a drink in a 12-ounce cup, okay, and I pour a drink in a 36-ounce cup, and I fill it up to the top, which one is full? Both of them, right? Right. If I, if I fill a 12-ounce up to the top, and I fill a 36-ounce to the top, which ones are full? Both. Okay, both of them are full. If I ask you which one has more drink to offer, which one would you say? Mm, 36. The 36, okay? And so what the Lord is saying is that we can be full but still have more or less to offer depending upon the capacity of our spirit. That makes sense? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, God can only fill us to the degree that we have room. So there's a such thing that Paul came into the revelation of that God could actually, he could pray, and he would ask God to increase the room within us, to increase the capacity of our container, of our, to listen, to contain or to house or to hold more of his love. Because if you have more, you can do more. Amen? Amen. So this is an awesome prayer we'll pray. Okay. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in our inner man. You say, oh, you pray the prayer, Lord, I'm giving it all I got. Well, ask him to give you more. God, I'm doing all I can. Ask him to give you more. That may very well be true. But not unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. Just because I've reached my limit doesn't mean, listen, that, that I'm justified with parking it right now. Because remember, as we read in the book of Philippians, our love is called to abound or to exceed every restriction, praise God, and to keep expanding. So we pray, Lord, strengthen me with might by your spirit in my inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Christ is not in you because of a feeling, 
but Christ dwells in you by faith. And the greatest way to get in contact or to get in communication or to experience the Christ within you is to first embrace the truth that he is in you by faith first and not by faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Verse 17, we're about to close. Not only is Christ dwelling in your heart by faith, but Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. So the anointing is dwelling in your heart. Your heart is your spirit. Your heart is your inner man. Your heart is your cup. But there's something else that's in your heart as well, that's in your spirit, that's in your cup. The anointing is there, but guess what else is there? Romans chapter 5, verse 5 tells us that God has shed the love of God abroad in, his, in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So God's love is placed there. So with his love being in your heart, this prayer, when we pray it, we're asking God, Lord, expand my cup, expand my capacity, expand the capacity of my inner man to contain more of your spirit, more of your love, and more of your anointing. Expand me. Expenditure. Expand me. Stretch me inwardly. Praise God. That we may be able to comprehend, here we go, this is spiritual understanding, with all saints, here's the dimensions of love. What is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height? These are the four dimensions of the love of God, okay? The breadth, the length, the depth of height and the height. So in other words, how wide, how long, how deep, and how high. God wants us to explore his love endlessly. And like I said, the greatest place to see it, y'all, is at the cross. Isaiah chapter 53. Psalms chapter 1, 22. Philippians chapter 2. Acts tells a story. Listen, the end of the Gospels, when he's nearing the cross, and then going back and, and piecing it together by, you know, in the Hebrews, because there's so much that's given in detail to really just explain what he has made available for us through the cross and through redemption and through the resurrection of his son. And listen, and every time you read a benefit, every time you read about a promise, every time you read about a resource that's been given to you, you need to think love. You need to think back to the cross and think back to Calvary and say, my God, I, I, I got this because, because you love me because you sent your son to die for me. Everything that he says you are and everything he says you're to become and everything he says you're not and you escape because of his blood and because of his love, all of that has its root and origin in his love for us. And as we begin to not so quick to look on other things but to really focus on that, to absorb it, then what happens is, is that when you begin to see it clearly, and that love begins to be transmuted. It begins to come down off the pages and, and out of the glory and out of heaven, and that love begins to become saturated in you, and it begins to merge in you, and it begins to find its home on the inside of you. And before you know it, you're just one big love bucket. Praise God. 
I mean, when you turn around to people, there are people that you couldn't stand, and all of a sudden you find yourself feeling nice and being joyful and gleeful, being understanding. It's because you begin to comprehend the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and the love of Christ. In other words, you're saying, my God, Lord, you did all this for me because you love me? And it moves you to such a degree that when you turn around and you see those that seemingly seem unlovable, you find yourself seeing them from a different light and treating them just as God uh, treated you and dealt with you. Amen. Amen. Because in closing, the love of Christ, he said, you'll never be able to tie it with words. You'll never be able to box it in or to, or to say, this is it, because the Bible says that it passes knowledge. The love of Jesus Christ cannot even be contained with words. Amen. The love that he expressed toward us through his son leaves us speechless. And left heaven speechless. The Bible says that in the book of Peter that the angels are still desiring to look into it. They're still scratching their head and say, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you should visit him? You made him a little Lord in the angels, but you crowned him with glory and honor. But what is he? What's so special about him? I don't see anything special about them. All they ever done is ashamed you and, and turned their back on you and rejected you and made a marky out of you and, 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 and trampled on your commandments and, 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 and you know, and, and got in all type of stuff, praise God, that you don't agree with, but yet you love. And instead of wiping them out and instead of just uh, bringing together and, and just creating an entirely different race, you, the creator of the universe, how dare you give your only begotten son to come down and to suffer for them and allow them to be the very ones to kill you. And when you arise from the dead, you love them still. And not only did you love them still, you brought them up to your level and seated them in heavenly places. That's why it's beyond knowledge. That's you. That's me. That's the world. That's the message that we carry. That's the grace that we give to people. And when we can position ourselves to realize that God loves people and that he has positioned us on this earth to be a servant as a lifestyle, not momentarily, not two days a week, not three, four hours out of the week, not during the religious settings, but I position my heart consistently to love people, then his voice, his voice, and all of heaven, will begin to listen. Now, his voice will begin to, I mean, it will come in loud and clear. Praise God. And with his voice comes his love, comes his presence, comes his blessing, and comes everything that you've been stressing about. God's got you. We just got to take up on ourselves the form of a servant and grow in God's love. His love passes knowledge, and it's not to be told, per se, but it's more so to be experienced. Amen. Praise the Lord. I pray that, amen, that the word brought a sense of, amen, insight and just life, you know, and, and encouraging. Uh, love is kind of one of my favorite subjects, praise God. So I'm always excited to to be able to, you know, to just share along those lines because it's truly the difference maker. I mean, even in your own life, you can bear witness toward the impact that those who walked in the love of God had on you versus those who didn't. Praise God. 
And so we just we thank God for that. Praise God. Amen. God will give the increase. He will cause us to abound. We just have to be willing to be stretched. Praise God. Amen. In other words, exercise that muscle to abound. Allow God to use you to be a blessing, a servant to somebody from the heart. You may be trembling at first and your flesh may be tripping, but once you conquer that and once you obey from the heart, it's going to feel so good and so right on the inside. When you don't know what the will of the Lord is and, and you lose your way, you're not clear, it's always easy to find and start loving people. You just start walking in love. Wherever you are, things will clear up, and you'll begin to see clearly. Amen? Amen. Praise God. God of heaven, we thank you, and we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you for the degree, the matter, the capacity, the fullness of your love toward us. Lord, you prove that we all have worth, God, when you allowed your son to become the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. And, God, we thank you for every stripe that he took, for every blow. God, we're asking in Jesus' name, God, that every veil upon our heart, that blinds your love, that blocks it, God, that causes us to see it from what it truly is. God, we want to see Calvary like you see it. We want to see it from your perspective. We want to know what you thought, God, and what you felt, God, and how you perceived it. We want to know, God, our desired response, God, open our hearts to see Jesus as he truly is. God, remove the hardness, God. Hallelujah. Father, we forget about what we think we know. We want to see you afresh, God. We want a fresh glimpse. We want a fresh light, God. We want to encounter you once again, God. And we want to see you, God, through the lenses of compassion, God. But open up, God, Calvary. Open up redemption. Open up John 3.16. Open up the Father so love the world. Open it up to us, God. Help us to know what it means. Stir up our bowels of compassion from the inside out. Father, help us to position ourselves as servants of life in Jesus' name. We want to give them, God, an effective ministry of what you have given us, God. And so, Father, strengthen us with might by your spirit on the inside. Awaken us, God, to the love of Christ that passes knowledge. I pray for anyone on this line, God, if there be any unforgiveness, if there be any bitterness, if there be any resentment, if there be any regret, if there be anything, God, that has kept the heart of love from producing the word within them. I pray, Father God, that you would, prompt them, Father, to forgive. Hallelujah. Commission them, God, to forgive. Empower them to release. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, that they may be released, hallelujah, and that the kingdom will come in their life and their world. The sensitivity to your voice will be restored. The closeness of your presence will be restored. That the communication of heaven will be restored. Most of all, that the love of God will be restored. That it would wax hot once again. Praise God. And, Father, we thank you and we give you praise. And, Lord, we feel so honored, God. Hallelujah, God, to know you, God, and just to be saved and just to be born again. God, we pray that your word will continue to come alive. Help us to know the breadth and length, the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, the path of knowledge. And fill us with the fullness of you. Fill us with the fullness of you. Fill us with the fullness of you once again. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the true light. We thank you for what you've given us. And, Father, we thank you most of all that you're not angry, that you're not mad with us, God, 
but we thank you that you're the author of grace and truth. And that, Father, as we petition you and as we exercise our faith muscle, our love muscle throughout this week, we thank you, Father, that you will cause us to grow in love. Praise God. As we position ourselves, God, in your charity, we thank you for your voice. We thank you for your words of wisdom, your words of knowledge, and your discerning of spirit. And, Father, we thank you most of all for your fellowship. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for these things now and forever. In Jesus' name, we thank you, and we do pray. Amen. 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 God bless everyone. Love y'all. Y'all be encouraged, and y'all have an awesome night.